Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest. The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace. And I teach my clients how to create their own version of a life where they can tap into their power and restore their happiness. My goal is so that you don't feel alone and that you feel supported. I am here for you. Sending hugs. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. I always say I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, but I'm so thankful and grateful that you are here and that we are together so that we can support each other. I do not want you to feel alone. I know I felt very much alone when I was in the muck and I thankfully was able to reach out to all my resources uh, in the positive psychology world, as well as reaching out to some support groups that really did help me. So I vouch that I would never, never, never turn pain into waste. And, um, so I, here I am, I am making pain purpose and I am here to serve you and help you and hopefully just come through as a trusted, loving friend for you, because I do not want you to feel alone. So today I thought I had to do a podcast on preserving our sanity. When you feel like you're going crazy due to someone else's addiction, I absolutely felt like I was going cray cray. I used to even say to my best friend, it's like, oh my gosh, I am going crazy. Like this is making me crazy. And so I wanted to talk about it because 
There are so many complexities of dealing with someone with addiction and the impact it has on our mental health. Like I can't even begin to tell you how much it affected me. And I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're thinking yourself, oh my gosh, yes. So today's episode, we're going to explore everything to do with that feeling like you feel like you're going crazy um, as a result of someone else's addiction or someone else's bad behavior. Now, this episode is going to focus on you. It's going to focus on self-reflection, on coping strategies, and finding inner strength amongst the chaos. So I do want to say, though, before we delve into this topic, that I just want to take this moment to acknowledge that dealing with someone else's addiction can be incredibly challenging and completely taxing. And it is essential that you know that you're not alone through all of this and that seeking support is crucial now beyond even this podcast. So I just want to do a bit of a disclaimer here that remember that I am not a medical professional. I am not a medical doctor and I am not a psychiatrist. So if you are feeling feelings where you do need to reach out, please, please, please um, let today be a discussion about this subject matter. But please, if you are feeling like you need additional support, remember this is beyond my scope. And that this is a podcast for informational purposes. And that if you are truly feeling like you're going crazy, um, then definitely reach out to a medical professional um, and seek out some additional support. So today's just meant for, you know, if you happen to catch yourself saying, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going cray cray. You actually feel like, oh my gosh, this is driving me nuts. I'm going crazy. Um, This is for you, a surface level. But of course, if you need additional support, please uh, do not use this as substitute for that. Okay. I had to get that out. Of course, of course, of course. So how do we preserve our sanity when we feel like we're going crazy due to someone else's addiction? So let's talk about that. One of the first things that we want to do, we want to acknowledge your emotions. So the very first step is to acknowledge that when you're faced with turmoil, caused from someone else's addiction, it's natural to experience a wide range of emotions. It's natural to know and understand and acknowledge these emotions. Like you might experience anger. You might be feeling fear. You might be feeling frustration, confusion, and even guilt. These are very common, typical, natural human emotions that come up when you are faced with loving or losing someone to addiction, right? Just by recognizing and validating your emotions, it becomes paramount. That is so important. And it's a really big way that you can regain your, your feeling of sanity and feeling a sense of control and self-awareness. That is one of the tools that'll help you when you feel like I feel like I'm going crazy. So some of the things that you can do, so acknowledging your emotions is key. And as you know, Um, My postgraduate training is in positive psychology. And the idea here is that all emotions are there for a reason, that it's not just about having positive emotions all the time. It's recognizing that anger, fear, frustration, confusion, guilt, all those emotions are also part of the human experience. And we want to acknowledge those emotions instead of just kind of brushing them underneath the carpet and acknowledging these emotions will say, huh, yes, I'm feeling angry and it absolutely makes sense that I'm angry. And just having that validation and, and acknowledging these emotions is going to help you feel like you're not going so crazy. Um, and so some of the action items or some of the things that you can do that really work well 
is take time for self-reflection. I know this seems like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? Is just like finding just times of quiet and just finding a very comfortable space where you can reflect on your emotions without any judgment, where you can kind of turn down the noise of the world around you and the noise of addiction and just turn inward where you feel quiet and you feel comfortable and reflect on what it is you are actually feeling what emotions are actually coming up without judging them. Don't add any judgment to them. Just allow yourself to fully experience and express these feelings. It is so crucial. I can't even tell you. It's like you're, if you don't feel them, experience them and acknowledge them, they're going to get louder. These emotions are going to get stronger because they're there to communicate. So really, really essential. The other thing that really works well is practicing emotional journaling. And we did have an episode on expressive writing, and this is basically the same thing. And just start journaling you know, and write freely and just write down your feelings, just getting it out. So it's kind of taking it out of your brain and putting it onto paper. And this can help you gain so much clarity so that you don't feel like you're going crazy. And it helps you to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on for you, what's going on in your head and your emotions. And and it allows you to actually, um, think and listen at the same time. It sounds crazy. It allows you to gain more clarity and a deeper understanding of your emotions. And again, no judgment, just get them out, get them out of your brain, get them out of, you know, this fluid air space and bring them onto the page. Not that anyone's, we're not looking for perfection. We're not looking for professional writers here. It doesn't have to be neat. You should see how messy my journal is and just practice emotional journaling, getting those emotions out without necessarily have to figuring anything out just to get them out onto paper. And then of course, another way to acknowledge your emotions is to seek support from friends or individuals that you feel really close to. Could be a family member, a therapist, a coach, or, you know, just anyone that can provide a very safe feeling space for you so that you can express your emotions openly and you can express them without judgment. Mind you, I know you might get some judgment from family members and things like that because they want to protect you. Um, but the best thing you can do is to seek out support. It really does help to acknowledge your emotions and to help you when you're feeling like, oh my gosh, like, and, and sometimes you get another opinion or a second sort of perspective on it. And if it's, if it's a really great friend that knows how to stay neutral without judgment, they'll just reflect what you're, they're hearing you say. And it's kind of nice to hear yourself speaking as well. So I'm curious, so how have these emotions, how have the emotions that you've had impacted your overall well-being? How have these emotions impacted you and how can you acknowledge them? How can you try to seek to understand them so that you can regain more of a sense of control and just more self-awareness? This can help you so you don't feel like you're actually going crazy. (laughs) And I laugh every time because, oh my gosh, I so felt like I was going crazy. Like, what? You're doing what? Like, did I hear you? Did I hear that right? Or, um, like, uh, didn't we just have this conversation yesterday? It's like, am, am I, am I going crazy? Like what? Oh, so I'm the problem. Like, Oh, am I the problem? Then you start to question, like, am I the cause of this? It's, it's so crazy when you love someone with an addiction, all the, the rules, uh, go out the window and you might be getting manipulated. Um, you might be getting gaslit. You might be getting 
a drug-induced narcissism that you're dealing with that make you actually do question your sanity and question your the reality. Not to mention you're stressed out and you're not getting sleep probably and you know so all kinds of things going on there. All those things. <laughs> all right, so another thing we can do to really help us when we feel like we're going cray cray and we're going to use that with the lightness of slang of, you know, we're feeling like we're going crazy um is self-care and grounding techniques. So taking care of your mental and emotional well-being becomes so crucial when you're dealing with the effects of someone else's addiction. So you want to explore ways that you can practice self-care. Um, you want to explore ways that make you feel really grounded and secure so you can stay centered and resilient and strong during chaos. So amongst chaos, because we can't necessarily control other people's behaviors. We can't at all. Um, we certainly can't um, control addiction. So the best thing, one of the best things we can do is to seek out ways to make ourselves feel cared for and to feel grounded and secure amongst potential chaos or challenge. So I always mention things like mindfulness exercises or deep breathing techniques or engaging in hobbies or activities that bring you joy. And that is really important also to practice self-compassion and being providing really good care for yourself and prioritizing yourself. And at the Saving You Is Killing Me um, support group on Facebook, we have a Me First Challenge, which is so fun. I have it at the website too, if you're not on Facebook. And this is a free Me First Challenge. It's about moving yourself up on the priority list. It's putting yourself above addiction. And so this idea of self-care and putting yourself first is a form of self-compassion. It's a form of being kind to yourself and caring for yourself. So some of the actual items are basically mindfulness practice. And I know we hear about this all the time and it doesn't have to be too in depth. It could just be as simple as focusing on deep breathing and just doing even body scans or pulling up a guided meditation that feels really yummy for you. And so mindfulness is sometimes even just going for a walk and breathing in and connecting to all your senses that can bring you a sense of calm. It brings you back to the present moment and it really cultivates this sense of calm, solitude. It feels so good there. Um, so another thing we can do is engage in self-soothing activities. Now, um, I've read so many books in relation to burnout, to stress and all this kind of stuff. And one of the best things that they suggest is to close what they call the stress loop. And one of the elements of closing the stress loop is to mimic a safe return home. So if you think about hunter and gatherer time, when we're like fleeing, you know, tigers attacking us, or things like that to, um, to keep us alive, we go into the stress response. But the problem when we love someone with an addiction is it's completely over-exaggerated. So we want to engage in self-soothing activities that mimic the safe return home, that we're being cared for, that we are safe. And so some self-soothing activities could be you know, it could be anything, anything that brings you joy, that makes you feel soothed, that makes you feel I'm safe. And it could be something like reading a book or taking a very relaxing bath or calm candles or going for a calm walk in nature or 
just um, anything that would mimic a safe return home that makes you feel soothed. Some people I've even heard, they take a really fluffy pillow and they just hug it or they get a really, uh, oh, I love this one. It's one of my favorites. Get one of your blankets, put it in the dryer, make it really, really warm and just wrap yourself in that warm blanket. It is so self-soothing and it mimics a safe return home that you are safe. And so um, make time for these activities regularly so that they can recharge you, so you can feel soothed, so you can know that you're looking after your own well-being. And really important too in terms of taking good care of yourself and self-care and grounding technique techniques is self-compassion. Just being, the whole premise of this is you're being kind and gentle to yourself during this absolutely challenging time. So treating yourself with really good care, the same care and understanding that you would offer a super close friend, right? So practice positive self-talk, practice caring talk to yourself and just embracing um, who you are and just practice, practice caring for yourself. So I'm curious, how are you going to incorporate self-care practices and grounding techniques into your daily routine? Like how are they going to help help you cultivate resilience and help you with inner peace, even amongst the chaos of loving someone with addiction or the chaos that's caused by someone else's addiction? So that's a wonderful way to kind of help you, to help you preserve your sanity, to make you feel like you're not going crazy. And now I couldn't have a segment about preserving sanity when you feel like you're going crazy um, without talking about setting boundaries and protecting yourself. And now I know you hear a lot about setting boundaries and how it's essential for for maintaining your sanity and protecting yourself from the negative effects of someone else's addiction. But how do we do that? Like sometimes it's really hard. So it's so important to... Uh, establish healthy boundaries and discuss strategies and be able to communicate and enforce them effectively. Now that sounds so simple, all in dandy, but we really need to focus on ways that we can say no without guilt, ways that we can prioritize our own well-being without, you know, causing enabling destructive behaviors in the same time. So some of the things that you can do is identify your boundaries. So take some time to sit down and just reflect on your own personal values. So what is it that you value? What is it that you need? What are your limits? Like what is it that, that, that okay, that draws the line. Um, so identifying these areas where you feel like your boundaries have been crossed or that they're con- it's consistently affecting your mental health. So where has your mental health been consistently affected? And even your emotional well-being is just like, oh my gosh, this is destroying me, right? So this could be manifest in ways like you could be constantly worried. You could be have sleepless nights. You could feel emotionally drained. You could, you know, you're trying to manage someone else's behavior. So where have you been affected where has your mental health been affected? Where have you, has your well-being been impacted? So that's a good place to start. So recognizing that boundaries 
violation, when someone violates your boundaries, it has such an impact on you in a negative way. And so that there, there needs to be something that you put in line that you're taking steps to protect yourself. So see boundaries as not, not this obscure thing, but see something as a way of you're protecting yourself. So where have you, you know, where have, has your addicted loved one caused you to erode your well-being and erode your, um, your mental health and just really recognizing that and writing it down. So it could be, you know, maybe you have, um, financial boundaries, for example, if you find yourself constantly lending money or enabling a person's addictive behavior by covering their expenses. I know I'm guilty of that. I paid for truck payments for a long time, um, because my addicted loved one did, couldn't work anymore because he totaled his car because he has an addiction, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. Um, I'm guilty of that, right? But so it might be an indication that your boundaries, they've they've been compromised. So what happens is, is that, that we need to set boundaries in place in order to recognize when our limits have been pushed. And so we need to establish better limits for ourselves that support our well-being and our mental health. And we need to prioritize our own our own well-being and mental health and just recognize what that means. So, so, I mean, we could go into all the details of setting boundaries, but I mean, there's so many episodes on that. Please go back to some of the boundary setting episodes, some of the professionals we've had on the show too. And, um, I love it. The power of a positive. No, um, that's one of my favorite episodes. Go back to that one uh, on boundaries. Cause it's more about what do you want? It's looking at boundaries from a really cool way perspective. So, this idea here is recognizing that protecting ourselves is really what it's about. That is going to help us with our sanity, preserving our sanity when we feel like we're going crazy. We need to be our own advocate. We need to protect ourselves. We need to set up limits on what we will and will not accept and tolerate and know what we'll do as a, as an, like an, uh, an alternative. And, and that's easier said than done. So I'm curious, how can setting clear boundaries and effectively communicating them help you? How would setting boundaries or limits regain your sense of control? How is it going to protect your well-being? How are boundaries going to foster a healthier relationship with yourself and with someone struggling with addiction? So powerful, right? Okay, let's move on to another one. So it's funny because I meant this episode to be like a short, quickie one, but this is like, I just like started diving into the contents. Like, oh my gosh, there's, I felt like I needed this so bad, like preserving my sanity. It's like, oh my gosh. So as I was creating this and kind of making, I always make bullet points of what I'm going to talk about and the bullet points just kept on pouring out. (laughs) All right. So another way is by seeking support networks, obviously like this matters so much. It's crucial not to face this challenge alone. When you are dealing with someone else's addiction, it is so confusing. It is so consuming. And so what we want to do is make sure that you know that you can reach out to the power of the powerful support networks and that you're not alone and that there are benefits to seeking out, seek out support groups, seek out connecting with others, seek out connecting to others who have similar experience. So that is why I created the Saving You is Killing Me Facebook group. Come and join us there. Um, if you can, 
even if you, you know, if you don't have a Facebook, I think you, even if you have, don't have a Facebook account, you can make one and join us and, um, not have to be on Facebook. Um, and so, yeah, so this idea is, is that you're not alone, that we, there are so many supportive groups out there. You can even join us on Instagram and just so you don't feel alone, reach out and speak to, um, a trusted friend, family members. We talked about this already and just, Another thing you can do is research local support groups. So there's so many local support groups that are focused on addiction and those like family and friends of addiction. Um, I personally didn't find some of those meetings too uplifting. I felt like I, I sometimes I would go to these meetings and leave feeling even worse. So see if that works for you. But I mean, everyone's different. And so if you want to attend meetings, to join online communities, reach out for support, find communities and people that resonate with you and, um, uh, obviously trusted individuals, friends, family members, mentors. Um, I'm always available for you. I am in our private Facebook group. I am on Instagram. I'm in the messenger. You can email me. You can text me. I, I was just speaking with my one friend, Linda, and I say, you're my new best friend because we've been going back and forth and I'm here for you. I want you to feel like you can reach out. I've been there before. I know I've been in, in the muck and um, I know what it's like. And so if you ever need to reach out to me personally, I am here for you as well. So the other thing is to utilize online resources and helplines even like take advantage of all these online supports. There's forums dedicated to supporting individuals affected by addiction. There's platforms, there's wealth of information there. There's so many podcasts out there and um, look for opportunities for connecting with others that are going through similar experiences. So I'm curious, what steps could you take to seek out support that could help you build your network of understanding individuals that can help you in ways to provide more emotional support and provide some guidance, especially when we're navigating the challenges of someone else's addiction, right? So another one, and I think this is the final one. Oh no, I got two more. I got two more. Uh, another way is reflecting on personal growth. Now, as you know, I'm in the positive psychology world and sometimes they're like, oh yeah, happiness, good, blah, blah, blah. But there is such thing as post-traumatic growth. And sometimes when we're going through challenge and adversity, one thing that we can do is that Adversity often brings opportunities for personal growth and self-reflection. So it, it gives you that pause point where you can huh, turn inward and self-reflect. So see, harness the chaos that you're in caused by someone else's addiction. See it as a catalyst for potential positive change for you. And I know when you're in it, it's kind of like, what? How could any of this be good, Andrea? I felt the same way. I was overstricken by a lot of sadness and just confusion and rejection. I felt a lot of rejection, which I think that's a whole nother podcast. Um, so explore ways that you can practice this, like self-reflection, look at journaling, identify your strengths, connect to your values. This gives you a wonderful opportunity. It's like, wow, now I really do know what I want in a relationship. Like I absolutely know now because of what I don't want. Cause I was so exposed. So sometimes when you are, if you, if your addicted loved one is a spouse, it can be an opportunity to make a list of everything you don't want. <laughs> And then it's like the flip side of that is what, what is it that I do want? So then that allows you to have self-discovery, allows you to have personal growth and allows you to connect to your values, not to mention 
wow, how did I manage that struggle? Look at my strength. Look at how I was resilient. And like, what resources did I tap into? I'm quite resourceful. It's almost like you identify, you start to realize your strengths. So I'm encouraging you to do this, right? Look at the importance of engaging in self-reflection and journaling, like set time aside to explore, you know, what is it that you're feeling? What are your emotions? What are your thoughts? What are you experiencing related to all what's going on? And use this as introspection. Use this as an opportunity for growth and gaining clarity about your own values, your own goals, your own aspirations. What is it that you want for yourself? And it's a wonderful little pause point. It's like, oh my gosh, Like I I always said, oh my gosh, this is like a plot twist in my life. Like I thought I would be with this man forever. And it's like, okay, plot twist. It's like, okay. So then it really did force me to do a lot of growth, a lot of inner work, a lot of healing and a lot of, you know, research. So this idea of identifying your strengths, identifying your values, take inventory of your personal strengths, take inventory of what is it that you value. And then you can see how these strengths and values can guide you through challenges and they can guide you in your situation. So you don't feel like you're going crazy. You could actually use them for growth, for strength, for empowerment. And, and really this reflection is so powerful. Um, so a core, of course, part of reflecting in personal growth, it kind of encompasses this idea of forgiveness. Now, please, please, please go back to the episode called forgive for good. And remember, cause this is all about forgiveness is actually more for you. So part of the ways to feel like you're not going crazy, um, is to forgive for the purpose of your own growth. So looking at forgiveness as not condoning other people's harmful behaviors, but what it is, is it's freeing yourself from the burden of feeling resentful, feeling frustrated by that person, feeling anger. It's kind of like, you know what? Yeah. It's like coming to the realization that you, like I would say in my head, for example, like you have a problem, you have an addiction and the choices that you're making are a reflection of your addiction and they aren't, they don't have anything to do with me. And so I'm going to forgive you for how you treated me, not condoning it because you put me through hell, but I'm going to let go of my grievance stories that I'm holding on to, like I'm not enough or I'm, um, I'm not good enough or I'm not fun or maybe I'm not a good partner or all those things. I'm going to get rid of that grievance story. I'm going to forgive it and move forward and make myself a hero in the story. So that's the idea of practicing forgiveness is reflection on how forgiveness can help you on your own healing and your own growth. And now again, there's so much more to do with forgiveness, but this would be the longest episode ever if I kept jumping into deeper into this, but that'll help you with, with, kind of managing and preserving your sanity when you feel like you're going crazy. Like I felt like I was like, I wasn't enough. I went into the whole enough, not enoughness because I was abandoned. And he, uh, you know, had a girlfriend a week later after abandoning me and the kids. And oh my gosh, so I could go on, right? So I'm curious, in what ways can you challenge, can you use challenge rather, in what way can you use challenges in your life and the chaos that comes from someone else's addiction 
as an opportunity for growth and self-reflection. Now, this is hard, but you might explore things like your strengths. You might explore things like what it is that you value. You might create some sort of uh, victor story um, where you're the hero and how can that contribute to your own well-being and your own resilience and help you to preserve your sanity. It is so profound and it does help so much. Okay, last one, I promise. Um, This one is all about finding your inner strength. Now, I am all about strength spotting, and this is a huge positive psychology um, intentional it's just a wonderful practice that it's about focusing on finding your strengths and finding strengths in others. And so, but for the purpose of this and preserving your sanity, when you feel you're going crazy, I want you to, despite the challenge and feeling like you're going crazy, it's essential to tap into your inner strength. So it's about cultivating resilience and finding the courage to know that you are strong, to find that strength and to find the courage to tap into that strength and that you are courageous will help you so much navigate difficult times. It's going to help preserve your sanity. So when you explore practices such as positive affirmations in a way that really feel empowering, or when you have visualization exercises where you can see yourself being strong and tapping into your strengths and utilizing your strengths and your superpowers, connecting to your own sense of worth. It is so essential, right? It's a, it's so powerful. It's going to help you on so many levels and it's going to uplift you and it ends up supporting you. So one of the practices I love, and I know people say, oh, positive affirmations, like, you know, it's all about saying like, I'm amazing. Like, but then the thing is you question, it's like, but is that true? So the idea with positive affirmations is to incorporate them into your daily routine, but you want to say these powerful, empowering statements that reinforce your inner strengths, that reinforce your resilience, that reinforce your worthiness, because those are believable. So first you got to figure out what your strengths are, like tap into what makes your, what, where are your superpowers? How have you gone through a challenge before and what strengths did you tap into? This is like positive psychology 101. It's like jumping into your strengths and figuring out those strengths. And so, and how can you use them as a reliable resource to empower you, especially when you feel like you're going crazy. So Repeating these empowering statements and making your own, making them personal to you can help shift your mindset and build your self-belief. So some examples could be, I am resilient and I am capable of overcoming any challenge that comes my way, or I deserve love, understanding, and compassion, both from myself and others. I deserve love, understanding, and compassion from myself and others. I am worthy of happiness, peace, and fulfillment, regardless of the circumstances. I am worthy of happiness, peace, and fulfillment, regardless of the circumstances. I trust in my ability to make decisions that are aligned with my well-being. I love this one. I trust in my ability to make decisions that are in lo- aligned with my well-being. That affirmation statement is so powerful because that'll help you with boundaries. That'll help you with limits. That will help you with what you're saying yes to and prioritizing your well-being. I love that one. 
I have the power to create positive change and transform my life. I have the power to create positive change and transform my life. We absolutely do. We have autonomy. We have influence on our own lives. We have influence on our decisions. Um, And so there's so many. You can create your own. I release any guilt or blame that I carry, and I choose to focus on my own healing and self-care. I release any guilt or blame that I'm carrying, and I choose to focus on my own health, healing, and well-being or self-care. I changed it. Um, I am resilient and adaptable, and I have the strength to face any obstacle that comes my way. I am deserving of support, understanding, and compassion from myself and those around me. I choose to embrace self-love and practice self-care as a way to nurture my mind, body, and soul. So those are some examples of affirmations. There's so many, and you can create your own. Make sure they're believable and make sure they're nurturing you. They're those positive statements that reinforce your strength, that reinforce your resilience, and that reinforce your worthiness. So, so, so powerful. So another exercise is engaging in visualization. Of course, always do things that feel right for you. And I love this one because take a moment every day and just visualize yourself overcoming challenges, um, being a triumph in your world or embracing a positive future for yourself. I remember I used to do, I used to do visualizations of having a partner a companion, a partner that absolutely treated me absolutely like it was my love list. And I would picture how I felt when I, it was so funny because this person did not have a head. So I didn't know what they looked like, but I could, I knew how I wanted to be treated and how I would feel. So I took everything I liked about every relationship and I built it into a love list. (laughs) I know you're going to think I'm crazy. And so, because this made me clear on what I value, what I want in my life. And so I absolutely turned it into a visualization exercise. So visualization can be a powerful tool for manifesting your inner strength. So I could see how it would uplift me. You can see yourself thriving. You can see yourself finding your inner peace. You can see yourself cultivating resilience. And it's so empowering. I invite you to do it, do it, do it. So good. So of course, nurturing supportive relationships. I've touched on this many times in this podcast episode because I can't tell you how important surrounding yourself with people who uplift and support you, seeking out those individuals that can understand and empathize empathize with your situation, right? And that is all about preserving our sanity when we feel like we're going crazy is one of the things is we can really cultivate nurturing relationships that make us feel safe. So how can you actively tap into your inner strength? How can you cultivate resilience in the face of challenges, uh, especially when you love someone or when you're, when this challenge is caused by someone else's addiction, right? Affirmations, visualization exercises, nurturing relationships, tapping into those strengths and, and notice how they can navigate, help you navigate through difficult times, right? With courage and grace. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that brings us to the end of this amazing episode I, uh, sorry, it went on a little longer than usual, but this is all about preserving sanity when we feel like we are going crazy due to someone else's addiction. Now, this is one thing that I want you to take away. One thing I want you to take away. You are not alone in this journey. 
and there is hope for healing and growth, right? So one thing we can do this, this throughout this process today, we talked about acknowledging our emotions, practicing self-care, setting boundaries or limits for ourselves, seeking out support, reflecting on your growth, possible growth from this and finding your inner strength. All of these things can happen while we are navigating the chaos caused by someone else's addiction. We can do this with resilience and we can do this with grace. So I hope that you got a lot out of this episode. If you resonated with the topics we discussed today and you found value in the insights that I shared, I want to personally invite you, if you want to dive even deeper into the journey of reclaiming your life and prioritizing your well-being, I want to tell you that that is why I wrote the book, Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Now, this book is more than just words on a page. It's more than just me sharing my story. It is absolutely a guide. It's a companion and it's a source of inspiration that can help you navigate the complexities of loving someone with an addiction or losing someone to addiction. I combine the science of resilience, the art of well-being, and the power of positive psychology in order to help you find your strength so you can heal and so you can live the life that you absolutely deserve. And I just wanted to bring it up because I literally poured my heart and soul into creating this as a resource that can help uplift you and that can help support you on this journey and so that you can prioritize your well-being, so you can advocate for yourself, so you can rediscover your own value. I am so wholeheartedly invested in helping you do that. And so I really do. I encourage you to grab a copy if you have not already. And it's a a revised copy actually, and I have a workbook. It's kind of like resources in there too of reflection questions. And so that it's not just a book you read from cover to cover. There's actual kind of places where you can have self-discovery throughout the whole entire book. So remember, you don't have to do this alone. There's a whole community waiting for you to embrace you, to provide you with support and remind you that you matter and your life matters, your happiness matters. So if you haven't gone over to savingyouiskillingme.com, you can find all the access to all our additional resources and you can join the conversation. You can join our support group there. And I really just want to you know, send a huge hug and really hope that you take care of yourself, prioritize your well-being, and always remember that you're not alone. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.